Nice to have you all here this morning. In the way of announcements, uh, I just want to uh, make sure that you know that the community group uh, is uh, start meeting up again on the 11th. That's a week from this Tuesday. And uh, we'll be meeting at 6 p.m. at, uh, at the Hapgood House. And so uh, we look forward to you being able to come. If you haven't been before, don't hesitate to come. We just uh, get together. We open the Word together, have some fellowship time together, and visit for a while. And so uh, it's a, a, a nice time in the week to, to just have some fellowship. So uh, Tuesday the 11th at 6 p.m. Um, also, Kathy and I would like to, to thank you uh, for the generosity of the congregation, a, a gift received this for for Christmas this year. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. In the way of prayer this morning, um, good news. Uh, those of you who've had uh, Ava, Martha's uh, grandchild, on 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 your uh, list uh, for prayer is, how old is she? Okay, she's being two again. <laughs> Did I say that pretty accurate? <laughs> uh, she's up and around and running around and, and doing much better home, so uh, just uh, praise the Lord there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, just to continue to pray for uh, the Starkey family. Uh, Deanne's uh, dad passed away a couple weeks ago, and just a uh, Keep her in prayer and, and the family in prayer. And uh, also keep Phil and Arlene Scriver in prayer. Uh, Arlene took a fall and she doesn't, she doesn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but she's, she's just uh, bruised herself up a little bit and, her, and she fell on her hip. And, and, it's, and, and it's her bad hip at that, so it just increases the... The, the discomfort. So, uh, asked if we would pray for her and uh, and keep Phil in prayer as well. Uh, Arlene's brother Bill is here right now, and he'll be here for another week or so. And so he's it's perfect timing for him to be there. He's able to help out and take care of things. So just keep them in prayer, and uh, as we work things out as to how to do ongoing care for them, that's a prayer request as well. So. Uh, just keep them in prayer. And uh, also just uh, uh, the continued, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, I call it the COVID craziness that's going on. It just, uh, uh, you, you think you're just ahead of it and then all of a sudden you're behind it and then you think you're ahead of it and you know, it just seems like it's just going up and down and up and down. So, uh, just that our school districts and 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 uh, 
different department heads of the, the city and county and state would just uh, get it together and get on the same page so that we could all know what really is going on and how to deal with it. And I think that's important. It just doesn't seem like anybody in the way of a, a government is on the same page. And uh, so that's my prayer. We get on the same page and see an end to this, that God would intervene and break the cycle. And uh, I also we have the last Sunday I always have it, the, the first Sunday of the year, as well as our Advent candles, just uh, thinking in terms of a year of uh, having hope, uh, knowing the love of God, and having the joy of our salvation in Christ, and knowing that we are at peace with God and, and have eternal life, and uh, just knowing that it is because Christ has done it for us. And so just, uh, just celebrating Advent one more day in the sense of, of those messages that come with that. Why don't we uh, pray together for these needs? Father, we thank You that we can come together and we ask, Lord, that You would be with uh, Phil and Arlene. Uh, just... Uh, uh, be with Arlene especially, but uh, and and just give her strength and heal her body. And uh, we also pray for Phil and and ask that you would continue to bring healing to him. And we thank you for Arlene's brother Bill being there. And we just ask blessings on him as he ministers to them. We pray for the Starkey family and ask that you would be with them as they uh, have uh, as they make the plans and and deal with all of the things that. Uh, are needing to be taken care of and just give them the right help to come alongside them. And uh, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that you are there with them. And Lord, we also uh, take a moment and, and say, we ask you, Lord, that you would break the cycle of this COVID and cause it to retreat, not just here, but everywhere. And we come to you and, and lay that before you and confidently lay it in your hands, Lord. And Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a prayer in Scripture of coming from Jesus. It's the longest prayer we have uh, from Him. And it's frequently listed as the high priestly prayer. It's found in John chapter 17. And we're going to do a, uh, a few messages over the next few weeks from this prayer. And so... Uh, we just uh, want to go through it, and I would encourage you to read through it a few times uh, over the next few weeks, uh, just once, at least once a week, read through it fully, and uh, you know, and, and we're going to take it, uh, like I said, just in parts today uh, in our sermons, and uh, it's, a, it's a really powerful piece of Scripture to have uh, the opportunity to share with you today. 
it's got basically three divisions to it. Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for the future believers, the church. And in that framework, he, he's uh, been with the disciples in the Last Supper, going, which actually goes clear back to chapter 13 of John. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's, this is the culmination, the end of, of the, the supper and, and just precedes Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane. The High Priestly Prayer of Jesus, chapter 17 of John, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Starts off with uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, and I was... I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out where this would break down. What, which words? And I realized, you know, they've been having this Last Supper meal together. And I pointed out, it went clear back to chapter 13. And so I'm assuming that it really it's all the words of the evening. After Jesus had spoken these words, some people narrow it down to just a couple of passages of the last of chapter 16. But I think it's the overall evening of fellowship and conversation that he's had with them after this has taken place, after he has spoken these words. And, and if that would be the case, think of all the things that happened in, in those things. I, I, I just made a quick little thought list of my own. In chapter 13, Jesus washed their feet. Jesus showed what it was to be humble. And he made sure that he understood, they understood that, that this was re- what would be required of us as believers. I don't know if you've ever been at a foot washing ceremony in a church. I've only been to one. And it is difficult. And it is humbling. And it's it's a different experience. Now, part of that would have to do with the fact that our culture doesn't is not used to having someone else wash our feet. Uh, but if we were out of this culture, you would understand that foot washing was a, a common practice. You come to somebody's home, they would the, the servant of the home would wash your 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 feet, and and uh, because that would be uh, getting the dust from the road off your feet and and welcoming you into their home. It was a custom. But Jesus extended that. And, and he extended it in a particular way. You see, it's a servant that's supposed to wash the, the feet of, of, of the, the people in the home and the guests. And the disciples saw Jesus as the rabbi, the master, the teacher. And, and they didn't see him as a servant. 
And so it was hard for them to receive. Remember what Peter went through. He says, no. <laughs> you know, and Jesus says, if I don't wash, wash you, you're not part of what's going on. Oh, then wash me, wash all of me. <laughs> you know, uh, typical Peter. Uh, but the idea is, is that, you know, that, that was one of the things that happened this, this evening within the framework of, of where we are. And uh, Jesus' famous saying that, that's quoted, I am the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so Jesus declaring, you know, that he is the source of salvation. Uh, he, he commented that he was the true vine. He said to abide in me in chapter 15. Uh, in chapter 16, I, uh, in verse 28, it says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So he, these are important things that he's saying to them. Uh, the last verse of chapter 16 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And in the world you will have uh, tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then we come to chapter 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, and he went into a prayer. He lifted up his eyes to heaven. Psalm 121 talks about lifting your eyes up to heaven for to praise the Lord and to pray. I don't know when the idea of closing our eyes, bowing our head, and holding our hands this way became the norm for prayer. But... And that's not a, a wrong thing. In fact, laying prostate out on, and, and on the floor is, is not a, a unusual way of prayer in the Old Testament and in the time of Jesus. But it was very common that they would lift their heads up to God like this and pray. I would suggest to you, there is absolutely nothing wrong with bowing your head because what you're showing, showing is a sense of submission and, and, and honor to God in a, in a particular manner. But there is nothing wrong with raising your eyes to heaven and acknowledging His location and His authority over all creation in that process and praying that way as well. And so this is what Jesus did. He lifted His, his eyes uh, to heaven and He began to pray. And the very first thing he says is, Father, the hour has come. And the hour he's referring to is the time of his sacrifice. And it's going to start in the garden. It's going to go through his arrest. The beatings, the mockings, the scourging, the crown of thorns, all the different things that went on through his trials. All of that is part of this hour, if you will. The, the, the time has come. The hour has come. It's a time for it's going to start. He knew, by the way, what was ahead of him. And it's, sometimes we forget that the plan of salvation was put into place, worked out and in place before the creation of the world. 
It wasn't hindsight. It was foresight. God knew all along that this is what his relationship with his people was going to require was a sacrifice that would come from him and him alone. Jesus says, the hour has come. And he's looking ahead to all that's going to happen to him. But ultimately, we're looking at the cross. The time of the cross, the sacrifice has come. What is going to happen on the cross? A man without sin in place of sinful man will bring salvation to us. Jesus, God in the flesh, human Yes, God, but human. A unique and and, and hard to understand thing. God in the flesh who has dwelt among us according to the 14th verse of of John chapter 1. He has gone to the cross on our behalf. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely without sin. No blemish in any way. Yeah, he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect Lamb of God. And when I say that, I say that with the utmost respect because I recall what John the Baptist saw when he was pointing out Jesus to the people. He said, look, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The hour had come for it to peak to where the actual Sacrifice would be made. So Jesus says, The hour has come. Glorify your Son in the, and uh, that the Son may glorify you. May I, He's saying, through this act, through all that's going to come, all lies ahead, may I glorify you as you glorify me. And when it says glorify me, He doesn't mean to to cause me to stand out in some particular way, like a you know like you know some supernatural being, as much as to glorify him as that he would represent God in the perfect way the plan had been put together, that he would die on the cross in such a way that people would look at the cross and say, as the chief centurion said, "This must be the Son." By the way, one of Jesus' shortest prayers was from the, from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Words from Psalm 22 that give us an explicit picture of his crucifixion. A thousand years before it happened, it was prophesied. Jesus' whole purpose was that He would glorify God. Verse 2 says that the Son of God has been given glory or authority. It says, since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all of those whom whom you have given Him. 
And then he goes on, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Son has been given authority to give eternal life to all who the Father have given Him. What that means is that who, all who God has, has brought to Him in His life in, 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 during His time on the earth and all of this. You know, and, and then as He and God have together, God is, is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have worked together through all of this and each having their part in the picture. God has opened up our eyes and our mind to come to Christ. And Christ has received us and saved us. He has given eternal life. Can your mind even start to wrap around the idea of eternal life? Mine certainly has a problem with it. I have a problem wrapping my mind around a century of time. Uh, you know, eternal life, permanently alive. <laughs> no death, no sorrow, no sin, no crying. We went over this uh, the other uh, the other Sunday. You know, it, it's going to be an amazing place to be. And he says, "This is eternal life." Let me tell you what eternal life is. Jesus says. They know you, the only true God. How did they come to know the only true God? Through Jesus Christ. He has revealed them. John chapter 1, verse 18 says that He has revealed the Father. The reason He dwelt, He came to earth, that became flesh and dwelt among us, was to reveal the Father to us. That we would come to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent to us. John also tells us in chapter 14, he says, and these again, I just, I just quoted these verses. Jesus uh, said to, to uh, Thomas, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, my Father, and have seen him, my Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in, in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. In other words, all the amazing things you've seen me do. Let that be an influence on you. There is only one God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus emptied Himself. What He emptied Himself was of His glory. And became flesh so that He could reveal the Father to us and 
take that hour at the cross on our behalf. So Jesus, you know, if you look at in in, in, in chap, back to chapter seventeen at verse four, it says, "You know, uh, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me." And I was thinking, what does it mean to glorify? You know, can you think about anything that that gives you a kind of an implication of what glorified Christ might look like? And I thought, yeah, wait a minute. called the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Jesus goes up on the mountain, ends up speaking with whom? Moses. And a couple of the disciples are there. And what they see is as, as Jesus is up on the mountain, He becomes brilliant. He becomes uh, uh, like walking, living light. And it's interesting, you go to the Revelation and you see the same thing again. For a moment, they caught a glimpse of His glory. That was His normal state. That is what He had set aside to become a man. And experience pain, fatigue, hunger, Thirst, all the things in every way that, that we experience things. And because of who He is, even though He didn't do them, He knows all of the temptations that we've had. All because He was coming to that hour where He would go to the cross and open the gate of salvation to us. Philip, uh, Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus uh, emptied himself. And again, it's the same idea. He emptied himself of his glory and says, became a man, dwelt among us. Okay, he became a man. And it says, even a servant of men, I automatically thought washing the feet of the disciples was a good picture of that. And then even to the point of this, the one who would save us. He would go to the cross and save us. The idea to glorify something is to praise, exalt, magnify, celebrate. And again, looking at uh, Philippians uh, Chapter 2, well, I'm going to read the whole Scripture passage to you. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why? Because He had it. He didn't have to grasp at it. But He made Himself Nothing, or he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Now listen to this part now. Because we're saying he's praying, God glorify me. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when Jesus says glorify me, this is what he's talking about. Father, exalt me to the position I had before all of this began. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I became flesh. I dwelt among them. I emptied myself. On the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter's preaching in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Let me read what uh, one of the, a couple of the things he said. He said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and not foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. This powerful picture out of Acts in, in, in chapter, 30, uh, chapter 2 also goes on. Uh, verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, us. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there was added that day about 3,000 souls. We celebrate what Christ has done for us. We rejoice in what Christ has done for us. We see Him in His glory at this point as best we can with human eyes and the restrictions we have. But we are going to see Him face to face in His absolute glory. What a day that we have to look forward to. And so when we come to communion, communion is, is, is a, a celebration of what Christ has done, that Christ met the hour and got through it and, and, and did what God had planned to have done from before the foundation of the world. He saved us. As a result, we are at peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Communion is a time of celebration, but it's also a time of reflection. 
personal reflection, a chance, uh, an opportunity, a, a time of confession. Asking God while we're singing and, and, and while we're waiting to, to share in communion to open your mind to anything that might need to be confessed as sin and ask His forgiveness. It's a time of forgiveness. And it's also a time of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness for taking that hour upon yourself. We worship you, we praise you, we exalt you. You alone are worthy of our praise. Before the throne of God above is the song I think we're singing for communion. There's a, a, a verse in it that I want you to grab a hold of. And it, it's repeated more than once. I, it might be in there a couple of times. But it says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward look. And that's what caught my mind was the idea of looking up in prayer. <laughs> upward look and see him there who made an end of all my sins. You are my Savior, you are my God, you are my King. Let's uh, share uh, the song and sing together. We have communion up here. We're still not going to be passing uh, communion yet. And you have two choices. One is to have the communion that is in a cup. And, and there's two cups together. And they have a bread in the, the bottom cup and the and the uh, grape juice in the top cup. And uh, feel free to use that one or to take one of the packaged. So come up while we're singing and uh, pick up your communion. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sins. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. To look on Him and pardon me. Behold Him there, the risen Lamb. My perfect spotless righteousness, 
the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased with his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. In the Gospel of Luke, it's recorded. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, taking the cup, he said, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And he asked them to do it in remembrance. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come around the table to share communion together. We ask, Lord, that you would cause it to be more than just a thing we do on Sundays, but it would be a special moment in time on Sunday in the service where we have that time to reflect on our relationship with you to thank You for Your grace and Your mercy, to ask You to, to forgive us of the things that we have done that have offended You in any way, the areas where we've missed Your mark. And as we go, we ask, Lord, that You would go with us. We Again, we say thank You. We praise You. We thank You. We lift You up. We worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just stand as we close, please.